1: Thank you so much, Dr. Aiken. It's an honor to be back at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, a place that I also send personal money to, uh, to help support this school, because I believe in Danny Aiken and I believe in this school. I did pastor in this state and grew up in this state, but unfortunately, um, in those days, I could not come to seminary here without getting into too much past pain. Uh, It just simply was not theologically possible for me to come here in those days. I came back later after having finished my degree at Southwestern, which I dearly love, and pastored in the state and uh, was a field supervisor here for a time. But even that was difficult in those days. But praise God for what has happened in this school, and thank God for His hand of blessing upon it in the transition back to a school that believes in the inerrancy of the Word of God. And the school that's on fire for the great commission of our Lord Jesus. And I thank God for Danny Aiken and for others who have gone before him to serve in this place. I am honored uh, to be with you today. Um, it's a joy. Always look forward to coming to this great campus. Its beauty is unsurpassed, and the fervor of students and faculty here and staff uh, are also unsurpassed. So thank you, Dr. Aiken, for your kind words of introduction. I am a husband, I am a father, and he pointed out I am a grandfather. I don't have as many as he does, nobody really does. He's, he's got some fertile children, that's all i got to say. But uh, I have four grandsons and one granddaughter, and I'll get to see four of the five tomorrow, and I'm grateful for that. I have three daughters, one of whom is in heaven and uh, two, uh, two surviving girls, and I will get to see them tomorrow as well, for which I'm deeply grateful. I have son-in-laws. I don't know their names. I don't care to know their names. Uh, I might learn them someday, but I doubt it. Uh, they're not good enough to marry my daughters, and I remind, remind them of that on a regular basis. And that gets some people offended. Well, just get over it. It's just the way it is. Um, son-in-laws are son-in-laws, you know. It's like a friend of mine hit a golf shot the other day. wasn't very good. He said, that's my son-in-law shot. I said, what do you mean? He said, could have done a lot better. <laughs> I better stop there. I, not long ago, preached in a church in the deep south. It was an anniversary A significant anniversary. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I really don't want you to know the identity of the church. Uh, But it's a church of great historical significance in the SBC. It was an anniversary. They've got a new pastor. They go through pastors often. Often. And as I sat beside the young new pastor, uh, not even 30 years old, they're going to eat him alive. I'm just telling you. Uh, One month he had been there. So I sat beside of him and he was brimming with confidence and enthusiasm. And I like to see that, I really do. And, and, and I sat beside him right before I was getting ready to preach and he said, Dr. Page, he said, this church has so much potential. And now that I look back on it, what I said sounded so patronizing. I didn't mean it to, but I, I leaned over to him. I said, young pastor, there's a reason it's just potential. And it's going to be your role to find out why is it just potential and it's not actuality. Why is it just potential and it's not reality? Why? Pastor, that's your job. But there's a reason it's just potential. Now, I had lived in that same town before. And I knew the church well. And I, in my not so humble opinion, think I know why it's still potential. But every church has potential. And we always talk about potential, but you know, why is it just potential? We talk about our lives, we talk about the future of our lives, and a lot of you can't even focus on the present because you're thinking about the future. What's it gonna be like when I'm out there in that church plant, in that mission setting, in that trip? Oh what the future's gonna be like. What has God God, got in store for me? That's good. That's good. It's good. I like that enthusiasm. But why are you just looking at the potential future? And why is it just potential? Why is the the witnessing skills and the ministering skills and the discipleship level in your life, why is it just out there and not now? A great philosopher, I was talking with a friend who's here today who has a PhD in philosophy. I asked him, do you know who... Occam is, unfortunately he did, or else I would have had to make them get back his PhD. <laughs> a great philosopher, and it's not a medieval philosopher like Occam. And if you don't know who that is, you're in great company. Um, but it comes from another great philosopher who once said this phrase there's no greater burden than a great potential. And that great philosopher was Charlie Brown of the Peanuts Comic Strip. <laughs> There's no greater burden than a great potential. A lot of people I've pastored, and I, I pastored for decades, and now I'm in my sixth interim pastorate. And so I deal with real people every week in real life situations. And many have said to me over the years, uh, the Christian life's just too hard. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried. And so we develop a series of reactions to the calls for maturity, for maturation, for deepening. And so what many of us do is we fake it, force it, or forget it. We fake it, force it, or forget it. We we fake it. Well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm just fine. Inside we're crumbling, but hey, I'm just fine. I'm going to fake this Christian life thing. How are you doing in your spiritual walk? Oh, I'm great. Are you? We've learned to fake it. Some of us have learned to force it. Uh, We we force it. We're going to throw ourselves by sheer power of will into frenetic activity to press out the flesh. And we're going to force ourselves into living this Christian life if it kills us. We, We force it. And I've known a lot of people like that. And others of us, Just come to the end of our rope and just forget it. And that's why I've had people say to me, literally, I used to call myself a Christian, but I don't anymore. The demands are too high. It's too strict. It's too hard. I just can't do it. I've given up. And there are a lot of people that you know like that. There are people in this room who have just almost just forgotten it. And there are people you're going to minister to who have said, just too much. I can't do it. I can't do it. Paul the Apostle said there's another way to living. There's another way of living. And in one of my favorite passages in Philippians 3, I want you to turn there with me, please. We're going to look at another way to live life. Was Charlie Brown correct? There's no greater burden than a great potential. Well, Paul says there's another way to live. Rather than the hopeless gimmicks of faking it forcing it and forgetting it he said there are keys to the christian life that we need to hear today and what are those keys to the christian life that he gives us in one of my favorite passages and yes i say that about every passage every day and if you follow me on twitter yeah i have a favorite scripture every day and i mean it at the time <laughs> i mean it today I mean, this is a great text. It just comes alive. And look at it with me there, please. In, in uh, what did I say? Philippians, Philippians 3, verse 12. Stay with me. Stay with me. Not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I do what? I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold of me. Brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Stop with me just for a moment there. Nearing the end of his life, some say he was 60 years of age in that day and time Ancient. I guarantee you 60 is not ancient now, or I hope not. <laughs> Nearing the end of his life, he could look back and say, you know, still a work in progress, but I'm not going to fake it, and I'm not going to force it, and I'm not going to forget it. Looking back, he could say, There's, there, there are some keys to Christian living that God has granted us as believers that others don't have. And it gives us the ability to live life in a new way. And so he gives us those three keys to a new kind of hopeful living in Christ. And first he says there's the key of humility. Twice in both verses 12 and 13, he references the fact that he has not reached this goal yet. And he did not punish himself for it. He did not go into a deep depression, melancholy as they used to call it, because he had not reached it yet. He did not abuse himself, torture himself. You see, humility is the ability to see ourselves as God sees us without being devastated and know that God still loves us. He really does. Did not Romans 5, 8 say, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us even when we haven't reached the goal yet and that ought to bring a serious sense of humility into our lives. I've not gotten there, but he still loves me. He really still loves me. Yeah, there's still potential in my life, but he loves me even here. It's not lack of faith. But something in us fears that kind of self-acceptance. Paul did not fake it. I know I've not reached it. Now, preachers have an amazing ability. I've seen it. I see it. Danny sees it. As we work across the Southern Baptist Convention, I, I see pastors who have uh, marsh, uh, gained an ability that's it's, it's amazing. They can strut sitting down. Yeah, I mean, no other class of people knows how to do this. Well, a few politicians. Yeah, okay. Maybe a few others. But preachers have seemed to have developed it to an art form that we really think we've reached the goal. I had a staff member (laughs) in my last full-time pastor. He was trying to irritate me, I guess. He said, because I had hired an associate pastor who was the greatest associate pastor in history. I called him Dr. Perfect. He did everything perfect. Made me sick. I mean, he, he just was perfect in everything he did. And this staff member, other staff member, trying to irritate me, said, does it bother you? that there are people in this church that like Dr. Harley more than they like you. And for once in my life, I thought of something without waiting for 20 minutes and then thinking, I wish I'd said that. I said, no, it doesn't bother me at all. Do you know why? He said, why? I said, because I like Dr. Harley better than I like me too. (laughs) It's true. I did like him more than I liked me. Why? Because I see who I am and I know I have not yet reached it. I'm not even close. I'm not even close. Uh, but I don't, have to, I don't have to fake it. I can admit that. And say so I'm still a work in process. Paul said, I've not reached the goal. Second key to hopeful living was grace. Grace. I mean, look at verse 12, the latter part. Paul, in essence, is saying I can accept my own imperfection. Because God has already acted to overcome my imperfection. He's saying my hold on Christ is not perfect, but guess what? Christ's hold on me is perfect. So I don't have to force it. You see, the goal that I'm shooting for is already present in my life. The goal I'm working toward already possesses me. And for the follower of Christ, that is the most freeing reality to know. And it's about God's grace that this which I'm attaining for already has got me. And I'm safe in his arms. Grace means that God gives us as a gift that which he expects of us. You see, we, push, push, we put conditions on our own acceptability. If I'm just better at this or better at this, if I'm I'm better looking or if I am more skilled in this area or that area, if I was the best athlete, whatever, whatever, and we live our whole lives trying to prove how good we are when God says, hey, I got this. I've got you. You don't have to prove that to me. You don't have to force it. I've got you. And that freed up Paul. No forcing it. He didn't have to fake it. He didn't have to force it. He didn't have to fake it because he understood what real humility was. He didn't have to fake it because he knew God's grace had a hold of him. What a joy. And then third and last, there's the key of growth. And again, if you look at the Scripture... Because Paul was free from those unrealistic expectations and living humility because he, he knew that God's grace had a hold of him and he didn't have to fake it. He could develop a forgetting attitude. And so look at the growth aspect that we see here. And he simply says, I, I do press on. And then he says, forgetting that which lies behind and reaching forward, those things are ahead. I press toward the goal. You see, the third key to a real kind of living that's not faking it, forcing it, and forgetting it, says, I still got a ways to go. I'm still growing. I'm still moving on. That goal of being perfected means complete, mature. You know what it means. You take Greek, serving the intended purpose. We waste God's time when we try to live only in the past. And some of you are going to go to churches that just live in the past one church growth scholar said the greatest impediment to a church's future is its great past and i've been in those churches wasn't there a children's musical out a few years ago that said let it go let it go the coal never bothered me anyway well anyway there's sometimes churches just need to let it go And there are some of you that are still living off the past glories of a moment when you were saved, a time at church camp or youth camp when God did something special. Let me tell you, some things ought to be left in the past. A part of being perfected is learning to forget that which lies behind. The past is full of defeat, of victories, of all kinds of of aspects of our life that sometimes we hang on to a little too much. We need to let it go. And I'm not thinking that this means a, a, a absence of memory, but it is a resolution of intent. We're still gonna remember, and we ought to remember where our weaknesses are. But we ought also to have a resolution of intent that says, I'm not gonna let that let that which is behind become an impediment to where God wants me to be in the future. Forgetting that which lies behind, I press on. I'm going to make every moment count. Like the Apostle Paul, I'm still pressing toward that goal of Christ-likeness. You see, God is not a God who demands perfectionism in the sense that we know perfectionism. He wants us to enjoy the stages of the journey as we grow toward that total Christ-likeness. And that's why I challenge you, most of you are young students, challenge you to affix yourself to a godly man or woman who has lived decades in the word of God, but still can say to you, I got a long ways to go, but God's taught me much. You affix yourself to them so that you can learn from them and see what's happening in their life as they're pressing toward the goal. We live in a constant tension between What is and what is yet to be. We understand that, but there must be a commitment to grow. And then we don't have to just forget it. I'm growing. Can you say how you've grown this year over last year? Can you say with a a true, uh, verifiable, quantifiable, right outable, I don't think that's a word. A kind of sentence. Here's how I have grown over last year. Here's what I've learned. Here's what the Word has taught me. Here's what I've learned in chapel. Here's what I've learned in class. I've done this. I've seen this. And I'm moving toward the goal. One of the great keys of Christian living is indeed growth. And therefore we don't have to forget it. Let's give up with the the the, the, the gimmicks of 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 forcing it of forgetting it and and, and faking it and forgetting it and forcing it and go with what god says humility grace and growth humility grace and growth say them out loud with me humility grace and growth oh god was charlie bound right there's no greater burden than a great potential Well, maybe he was, but your word shows us how to live in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your way. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that you would help every man and woman in this place to understand what it means to grow in you. God, help us that we will not be a part of that really weak kind of mindset that forces it forgets it and and fakes it oh god help us never fall into those traps but help us be a part of your keys to hopeful christian living of humility real humility of grace and of growth thank you for the example the apostle paul set forth and lord may that be true in our lives